Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to Biased with me, Jose Criales Onsueta. Joining us today is my dear friend, fashion designer, and sickening New York City drag queen, Jasmine Dash. On today's episode, Jazz and I will be offering our perspective on queerness and its influence in fashion. We'll also be discussing queer identity, Lady Gaga, the problem with pride campaigns and influencer marketing, and so much more. So please follow along. I'm like, is this thing on? (laughs) (laughs) Hey dolls, welcome back to Biased. It's me, Jose Criales. I'm so excited. Today, I have someone amazing, a great friend, and one of my favorite queens. Please welcome to the stage, Ms. Jasmine Dash. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful for you. This is the first episode. I'm so happy. This is a conversation that I've been wanting to have for so long, especially with you. And yeah, thank you so much for being here. So just tell us a little bit about you. So my name is Jasmine Dash. Um, I work in fashion. I work at a luxury faux fur outerwear brand. <laughs> luxury. Um, yeah. That's that's what they say. Exactly. But I don't I don't deny it. Period. Um, yeah. So I work in fashion. I've had my job for like about a year. I'm like finally learning the ropes because I didn't go to school for fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the new school for my master's in fine art. I'm like the only person in New York who went to Parsons not for fashion. Um, and then I did my undergrad in Pennsylvania, also cool. in fine art. Um, been in New York for this is our fourth year. Nice. Uh, we're going into our fourth year. Um, yeah. Love. But so, yeah, but before we get into everything, let's talk a little bit about this really strange situation that we're in. Period. How, how are you? Like, how's everything been? It's been good. It's been, like, also very strange, but there are a lot of... Um, at, at the risk of being criticized for saying this, there are, like, a lot of hidden opportunities in this moment, and, like, I understand that it's also my own privilege. I mean, like, I lost a relative, so, like, Mm -hmm. I understand the gravity of the situation at hand. But, like, also, you know, my dad started an LLC that I am the co-owner of. Love! Yeah, thank you. And I'm, like, hoping to launch my brand in the next year, and, like... I feel like everyone I talk to, it's like, or all my like close friends are like really leaning into the opportunities to like invest in their own professional practice to make it a small business or to make it a service that they really are able to provide. And like, I think that the, in the ways in which we're becoming more self-reliant are really powerful. And I think speaks directly back to like this idea that the market and the customer base is like really rapidly shifting. Like we Absolutely. are now becoming so much more in control of like what we consume and how it gets produced for us. And I think that's so exciting. Like, And it's also, again, I fully agree. I think that, yeah, like <laughs> again, as you said, like in the risk of this being taken in the wrong way, please don't. There are, there have been a lot of like really hidden benefits of being able to really just reassess, you know, and like reassess our priorities, reassess our goals, mm-hmm. or like really being pushed to do it. Yeah. Like we even put it into like into a corner and like, okay, you have to do something, you know? Totally. But I think that's also been really good to see, like, as you say, like so many of 
our friends or acquaintances that are like, oh, I'm actually now doing this, or I finally gave myself the time to do this, or to invest in my own exactly goals. like, yeah. or like not being able to like step out, go out, do things, see people, whatever, has really made me find another outlet, and this is what I do now. And you're like, this podcast and YouTube channel are the perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. I've been talking about doing this for so long. And now I was like, you know what? This is the time. Like, this yeah. is the time for me to, like, go out and do this. But also, have, like, have these conversations and really just see what we're all doing. And I'm so happy totally. to hear that you're launching your brand. I'm so excited. Thank Can you. Can you Like, watch jazz me. Like jazz. Exactly. Like, watching me wearing jazz by jazz. Oh, my like, God. I would And the YouTube. It's Love. The, wor- the, the worst part about, or for me, about, like, Okay, I'm sitting and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a mini collection where I mm-hmm. launch like five styles and like an accessory, maybe more, like maybe more yeah. looks, like seven looks or something. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be small though, and I'm like, I want the size, I want the sizes to be like. This goes back to the queer performance thing too. Like, I want my small to actually be a medium. I want my large to be an extra extra large. Like, I want, I want like small, medium, large, extra large. But in terms of grading, the extra large will actually be like yeah. a 4XL and the small will be like a media. Yeah. <laughs> because that's just like how I want the clothes to fit and I want them to be able to be worn by like many different Yeah, you want to make sure that there's a range and, and a true I, range. And I feel like a real way to access this like gender neutral position as mm-hmm. opposed to like leaning into like hoodies and sweatshirts is to like really dramatically play with scale oh. and like drape, like to allow for many yards of fabric to do the work of negotiating and navigating different body types Talk in a about way that's it. like inclusive and not um, relying upon a teeny waist or a certain shape to your breast which like maybe I do or don't have yeah <laughs> but like that's the gag about like what you just said about gender neutral fashion the merchandise gender neutral fashion is that it's always a t-shirt a hoodie something that people like to call oversized that is only really oversized and like really petite people literally and yeah i'm like that's something that's been increasingly frustrated to me as a buyer an expectator a lover of fashion totally. to see this term be fully pre-packaged into something that it's not and it, and it really comes back to like a combination of like laziness and like crunching yeah like how can we do it for as little money as possible to like catch this like trend of gender mm-hmm. neutral which like hello it's not a trend one two it can be so sickening the clothes can be monumental and you can Absolutely. take up space and you deserve to take up space with your clothing as like you collectively yeah so now i would really love for you to like walk us through how you build a look for yourself like whether you're about to like make something for yourself or someone else or where you're about to perform what's your process of creating a look it's like funny so for the longest time my process was really um built upon a foundation of like extreme cost saving and kind of like happenstance Mm -hmm. like i didn't really understand the garment district and like where things were and girl i still don't yeah i mean (laughs) i still also kind of sometimes don't but in the beginning, it was like, okay, where can I go and like find as much material for as little money as possible? Yeah. And so when I would find those options, it would be like, okay, here's like some cotton, you know, some cotton yeah. like gingham, and like here's a wax print of like a picnic basket with vegetables, and mm-hmm. then there's like some cheap poly satin. 
And I was like, okay, I have $30 that I can spend. What can I do? And then I, when I would have all the fabric, I'd be like, I want to be as ampere, like, I want to be uh, taking up as much space as yeah. possible. <laughs> um, and, like, thankfully that has kind of evolved a little bit and become a bit more nuanced and strategic. Mm-hmm. I, like, know where to go now to get a deal. Yeah. And I kind of understand more what I want for my body and what I think will work in a performance or give movement or give shape um so I guess it's still kind of derivative of like what I'm able to find materially but there's like more of a point of view and more of like this informed decision making process of like what works and what in the past through trial and error has not worked yeah um love so this is something that I always love about like seeing you and Diana like perform and create your looks and like this is something the girls and I are always talking where we're like lover boy or wherever it is that you guys are, even if it's through Instagram, it's always like a fully constructive look, right? It's like fully considered. And that's something that I always like has always drawn me to drag and into queerness as a whole thing because we're very intentional, you know, like queerness itself is one for me, always a performance Mm -hmm. and not in a sense that we're like always pretending to be something else, but in a way that we're always putting ourselves together. Right. Yeah. And it's always intentional, like, because I feel that we feel that people are looking at us so much. They're like, okay, so I better make this work, and I better feel like I'm, I'm, I'm working it, you know? Yeah, I, I have so many thoughts about what you just said, like, and this is, it's funny, because this is something I thought about from the prompt that you kind of sent about, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking, like, what do I want to talk about? And I thought about the fact that, like, because my degree is in sculpture and not fashion, I feel like I really think, of, and, and I think because of what you're describing about the kind of like inherent spectacle of like living as a queer person I really think about like my own body and like clothing in the round like sculpture is often spoken about as like needing to be considered in the round as opposed to like painting which is like inherently front on or front facing and I feel like I can like think of designers that I feel like rely upon certain vantage points of vision which like create in my mind it like speaks to a kind of like privilege of navigating the world or like a way that you are consumed or viewed that is like not about spectacle like exactly to to only have to consider being seen from straight on is to like not have to consider being gawked at and like i want the girls to be choking from every angle and so and like this is something that like diana and i have talked a lot about or think a lot about i think we're like when we walked down the street, cause like I went to dinner and it looked like this last mm-hmm. night and like sat on the sidewalk and ate my food with a friend. And then like when we were leaving, we were just noticing, I mean like I am kind of like able to tune it out now, but we were noticing that like the girls break their necks, like gagging. And I'm like, yeah, I can't only look good from the front. Like that's just not, a, that's not a luxury that I have Yeah. because yeah, anyway. So the other day, um, I was working on, like, I was doing this Gaga retrospective on my stories, right? Yes. Um, checking on my highlights. But, <laughs> love. And I was getting one really nostalgic, because I was like, oh my god, memory lane. You know, like, from when I was a kid, and I was like, what, 12, 13? Right. Super closeted, still living in Bolivia. Like, I had right. one other friend that liked Gaga, and everyone else was, like, judging her. So it was yeah, like, she I mean, and same. I, right? She and I were, like, always talking about these looks, whatever. 
But as I was like going through like Gaga over the years, yeah. one thing that I could definitely like see was this concept of like always, it was again, always a performance, right? So whether she's giving you like full club kid fantasy or whether she's giving you like BMA's blog performance or she's giving you like Hollywood starlet mm-hmm. running in like can with a Valentino look, yeah. like it's always a crafted look. And you know that like for her, that comes from her experience, like being surrounded by queer people, being surrounded by drag queens, being surrounded yes. by performers, you know? So I really think that that is a perfect example of the influence of queerness in fashion. You know, like Gaga in the end, as so many of these artists really thrive based on our community, you know? And it's not only because we hype them up, it's not only because we're the stands, it's not only because we're like listening to music, performing the music, etc. It's because we create, we are the stepping stone for them to like become yeah. whatever they are. Which is why I always say that like the Grammys, VMAs, etc., should always be awarding the best stylist. Oh my god! But that's a different absolutely. conversation. No, because <laughs> I'm like, because it is this queer like Nicola. It's like these queer people yeah. that are creating the imagery around all these people, right? Absolutely, and like the. I feel like the perception is that like the system operate or the like kind of power dynamic in mm-hmm. it is like perceived as consumption and reproduction. So like as if we're consuming Gaga and then reproducing what she's doing, which like is a part of it. But I think it's important to also celebrate that it's like so much more complicated that like absolutely Nicola is looking to us like within his own community to then like approach Gaga with all of these concepts that they then collaborate you know, it's it's not just a trickle down. It's exactly, it's multi layered. Well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, and it's also because, again, like, Nicola Gaga, like they're exposed to queerness as well in different levels, mm-hmm. and in the end, something that I've always appreciated, like I'll never forget when she, um, <laughs> when she won, I think her first VMA, she was like, "This is for God and the gays," mm-hmm. you know, like she was always <laughs> one of the girls that like recognized, yeah, who was really putting her there, totally. But in the end, like I think that's something that I really wanted to fully dive deep in with you is that influence that queerness has into fashion because i definitely think that so i was actually and i'll link this below and i'll send you the link it was a it was this uh, business of fashion conversations kind of like um kind of like a ted talk Mm -hmm. and it was a lock and they were saying queer people like you put us on your mood boards but and you appropriate our aesthetics our identities whatnot and then you create these systems around us mm-hmm. that don't necessarily include us, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I want to ask, like, what are your feelings about that? Like, have you ever felt that as a queer person, you feel that people are looking at the way you do your makeup, the way in which you dress, the way in which you style yourself and really appropriating these things and putting them into a mainstream that doesn't necessarily include you? I mean, what else is there for me to say? <laughs> yes. Like, no, I mean... Thank you so much for bringing that to the table because I really couldn't agree more that that is what's happening. And like my own experience, even outside of professional settings, there are these ways in which like our images and our ways of dressing and accessorizing become like tools for excluding. How, how do we rebel or how do we respond or react yeah. to this appropriation of our own aesthetics our own culture our yeah. own ways both in professional and in non-professional settings we see that queerness people of color like all of these aesthetics and all of these 
little acts, whether it's accessorizing, whether it's the shape of the nails, like so many right. little things right. are taken from our communities and put in the mainstream mm -hmm. and appropriated and made bigger or whatnot. Made more ambiguous. Exactly. Like, but in the end, it's like, okay, so who's, who's, who's getting paid? You yeah. know, like, and yeah. that's the thing. It's as little as like, yes, like I can see that the way in which I carry myself, the way in which I dress, the way in which I do so many of these things is influencing this photo shoot or this design or whatever in our daily lives, both as professionals and as just like people living our lives in New York. But it's like, yes, how, how is this coming back to me? You know, like in the end, this is not product that I am influencing geared for myself. This is not including me in this conversation. And I'm also not getting any kind of remuneration from this. Like I'm not getting paid. I'm not getting credited. I'm not, I'm not getting anything. So how this conversation becomes really one-sided, you know, and like this balance is just, it's off balance. Yeah. I mean, and I think also that it's like an interesting window into an ever shifting marketplace and like mm -hmm. customer relationship because the, like the really exciting thing is that in some circumstances, the idea of like the traditional customer, like who is your girl is now so irrelevant. Like Absolutely. that I think is really the like forefront and the exciting moment where like we are finally starting to see instead of like the Upper West Side princess, like I am the desirable customer. And I'm like, it's like I'm, I'm still like, come on, honey, come be sickening with the rest of us. But like, don't think that this is your party. That part is very important in this conversation to like level up the playing field into you are stepping into this house. You are a guest in this house. And how do you interact? How do you behave? What things do you allow yourself to take yeah. Do you actually, you know, and it's, <laughs> we've been having this conversation about like different levels of colonization in a sense. Mm -hmm. And it's like, is that a sort of colonization where you are coming into a space that you are invited in as a guest or you are inviting yourself yeah. and you're taking, appropriating and just. Yeah. Participating in a type of performance that you will never have access to. Mm -hmm. No matter how many times you wear the clothes, you will never understand what it is to not have the luxury of that anonymity or, exactly. or, or rather lack of anonymity. Lack like, of anonymity. Yeah, like uh, I will never know the anonymity that is the luxury that you live your life as a straight person. Yeah. <laughs> or like a non-queer person. Exactly. And, and that's fine. Like I don't want it any other way. And I'm not telling you that you can't come in and like get a taste, but that's what you're doing is getting a taste. Getting a taste. <laughs> like that's the thing like and i i feel like i have this conversation in different ways almost at, at least once a week right because i feel that as someone that's like so focused in fashion so invested into like trying to understand or unpack or whatever i always go back into like my own bias and my own personal <laughs> bias my own personal um knowledge and experience and it always has to do with queerness right mm -hmm. and it's like it's not a sense of like no you're not allowed access no you're you can't take it's it's the process and it's the action and it's like you can have a taste but it's how you choose to approach us or approach these communities or approach the process of taking this taste you know and, and like questions of responsibility mm -hmm. where like transaction is not taking responsibility paying exactly. money is not like 
navigating a fashion ecosystem ethically. Um, and yeah, like again, we're finally at a point where I feel like that we're starting to see meaningful change. Like, and, and it's not just for queer people. Like, it's not enough to have a full cast of POC models. No, like, absolutely Who's no. sitting at the design, who's at the cutting table? Who's like making the patterns? Who's the designer? Like who's sketching? Who's shooting? Who's like, yeah, at all of these different levels of this exactly. like, intricate mechanism, you know, the 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 most visible cannot be the only um, example of like real representation because it's storefront diversity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel that's something that I always again, like I always end up touching upon, especially these past few months, that it's like okay who's your brand ambassador, especially with these com- corporate companies, right? Like, or let's, let's say like, there's a perfect example, pride, your pride campaign, you know, like, and you are a, one of these huge companies and you are giving me a cast. So a beautiful cast of POC models, every gender expression that you can think of, like it's incredibly diverse and it's so nice to see. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, I'm like, I have friends that work at your company and I'm like, and I know that, they're like one of the only queer people of color in the design team. Or I also Or even if they're not one of the only, their lived experience at this job is like being confronted with racism verbally, um, non-verbally. Exactly. <laughs> through who succeeds and who's held back. Like we have many mutual friends Absolutely. who have heard tell stories about being accosted in the workplace. And they're either they're queer or POC or both. And Exactly. So it's like, so these people are in this industry that in a sense is trying to champion this community. You see that there's still so many issues inside of the workplace. Because as you say, it's like, it has to be every level and it has to be every layer. Because that's also the thing. Like, you have an assistant designer who's queer and POC. Sickening. What, what decision making can they do? Like, yeah. they're not allowed into these bigger conversations of who gets casted, who models, who shoots, how is it shot. Like, all of... And it, it, it also happens, it's not only that storefront diversity, but it's also when it happens only at that first level of empowerment, you know? Mm-hmm. You need to have people in every step of the way because not only do you need to make sure that there's someone, not only one person, of course, but there's people that can be part of these conversations at every level, mm-hmm. but it has to be, like, fully fleshed out. Like, you can't just, again, pretend that just because you're casting someone queer or you're casting a trans person or you're casting a non-binary queen or anyone in this campaign is enough. And you can't also pretend that we're stupid enough to buy into it. Yeah, well, and I, I feel the same way about these PR stunts mm-hmm. where, like, I think Pride is a really big one where, like, every company is, like, sending, you know, like, these kinds of, like, big-name drag queens or, like, uh, like performers, these you know, packages of, like, gifts. But it's, like, that's still a transaction. It this isn't, absolutely this is. This isn't a gift. This is you asking me to do free advertising for you, and I happen to get to keep... I don't have to mail back to you what you exactly. mail to me. But, like, that's still work that I'm doing. And... And it's also... It's... It's a transaction that it's definitely also fully unbalanced. Because this company is, what, like, sending a T-shirt... Girl, yeah. like, and, and a cute little box, and it's like, how, how much does that t-shirt cost this huge company? Literally. And, like, 
we are all very aware, especially all these girls that work in fashion, that that for a company that big is nothing. It's and no. in, exactly. And in return, what is this big drag queen giving them? Access to a community, access to so many people that are definitely An entire not marketplace. Exactly. A buying power that is unreachable otherwise. Exactly. But like, represents a huge potential market. Mm-hmm. Especially to like, I think that's one of the really interesting things about Drag Race, and I like. I'm a shady asshole. I don't think there are that many things about Drag Race that are, like, incredibly interesting outside of the microcosm that is Drag Race. Yeah. But one of them that I think is, like, really worth discussing in a, from a perspective of fashion is that, like, as these celebrities or, you know, reality stars age, their fan base also ages with them and goes from being, like, preteen to young adult to on their own self-reliant adult with the buying power to like shift an economic landscape absolutely these people that started as children who are devoted to like an individual like will grow with that individual and that transformation at least for like the queer community i think is a kind of new like this is i feel like one of the first times that in a pop cultural sense we're able to think about queerness intergenerationally like we're no longer children and 22 year olds like some of our queer friends and family are much older than you know yeah i just think that like the kind of transition out of childhood for this entire population of people is absolutely an untapped market that these brands are trying to get to and yeah there are a lot of like interesting and complicated ways that you can do that and like sending a t-shirt yeah is not (laughs) is definitely not it and that's also the thing and we're not dumb here that's to me that's the gag like and it also happens because you see and again maybe it's also because i pay so much attention to these things or because i overthink them or try to overanalyze them or impact them exactly or proximity like right there exactly and it's like i can tell when the merchandiser the pr girl whatever that came up with this idea is a queer person or not mm. instantly yeah. and it's not only how it's shot or who's casted or whatnot it's how it's done mm-hmm. you know and i'm like i can tell when like the intentionality of it how it was done like what i'm hearing on like how the person was paid like all of these little nuances that go into this transaction yeah is very evident when they're led by a queer person or not because as you say as we're aging <laughs> aging i'm like not i exactly (laughs) never as we're like aging and growing up our wallets are hopefully expanding etc etc and our buying power our interests we're participating in the market and in these transactions differently we're also becoming more and more a part of the workplace and the workforce you know and like as drag race is a perfect example of how queerness is going into the mainstream how are these things um like now us part of the workforce part of this buying power now part of the mainstream there's so many nuances into like it's still an untapped market because these girls that are still dying five years later for the queens that were the beginning of drag race yeah will most definitely swipe up and buy that t-shirt oh yeah you know absolutely Uh, like I'll buy her t-shirt. I'm not going to buy the one that you sent That's her. the thing. Yeah. Exactly. But, and <laughs> Period. Period. And that's the thing. And, like, listen, this is literally 
Uh, we're just giving like free consulting right now, so you better. Li- yeah, exactly. T. <laughs> you can Venmo us. We'll make sure to link below. Like if it's not her face on the T-shirt and she didn't get paid for her image and likeness, exactly. Then honey, I'm going to her website, not yours. Exactly. Because like, if not, I'm not. I don't want it. Yeah. Like I am a stan, well, and I support these girls as long as they are making the money. And it like it also that element of it speaks back into this other um, like exciting shift that we're seeing where like I'm not just gonna like buy everything every year because it came out it just happens to be there exactly these questions of like ethical production and consumption become like more and more relevant like it it really just speaks to the intersectional nature of all of these conversations where Mm -hmm. like I want the girls to be taken care of financially and like I want to take care of them environmentally and like there are so many complexities to like why putting her face on Instagram is like no longer sufficient. Exactly. Like I don't need another t-shirt and if I'm buying it, it's because I need it. Like, and because I see it as something, as you say, there's more nuance into like, but at least for people like us, like the fashion dolls, TM, it's, we don't only buy stuff because it's cute or we don't only well sometimes we also don't only like, <laughs> like it depends we don't only buy stuff like the way in which we interact with each other it's like i'll buy your stuff because one not only is it cute but also because i want to support you i want to take care of you and i want to amplify you yeah. you know yeah and that's i feel like that's the untapped like merchandising strategy that these girls don't understand is that like trend and hype culture is like literally dead. Exactly. It's so far dead. Exactly. I couldn't give less of a shit if every influencer on TikTok has the new Saint Laurent collection. Like, you won't catch me no. going, or not Saint Laurent. You know what I'm saying? Celine. Yeah, Celine. I mean, like, honestly, same me. thing. Yeah, like, same. <laughs> you won't catch me. Like, mm. I could not be bothered. Girl, there's absolutely no way. No. I feel like the ask is to, like, the parent of Gen Z. Like, it's like the cool exactly. mom. It's like, because, like, who who has the buying power and then who will actually want it? Maybe it's, like, bought for Gen Z, but Gen Z isn't who ends up actually wearing it. No. And, like, I'm not Gen Z. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like, shocking though it may sound, I'm not exactly. Gen Z, but, like, I also assume that they're not that easily taken advantage you know absolutely wool pulled over their eyes like. but that's also the thing like say i don't i don't honestly don't know the names of the tiktokers i just don't know tiktok <laughs> but say you are whoever these boys are right x famous tiktok exactly and x is wearing um celine because yeah celine and but if you i assuming that i am assuming that if you are part of this like fandom or fandom or whatever that's always in their comments calling them daddy which is also very strange but <laughs> I'm like they are five years old Literally, he's not a daddy these are children exactly yeah. but say these like 13 year old girls are like into these comments and are like oh my god you look so good but they're also posting their merch on the next video yeah what do you think they're actually gonna buy they're not gonna buy Celine yeah they're definitely gonna buy the merch because the merch is also one seventeenth of the price exactly and it's like and the merch is branded yeah with the person that they actually want to support yeah 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 absolutely and it goes back that's it's a question uh, of loyalty <laughs> exactly and that's another interesting part of that like influencer culture translating into different platforms or that like what we were saying earlier about 
drag like drag race and the queens and this stand culture of like how do you like what do you support how do you support mm. who do you choose to support and how do you interact and what do you choose to interact with you know like that was a mouthful but <laughs> sorry no but and that goes i think back to what the original question of like performativity mm-hmm. it's like what are the way what are the modes of access or like entrance into engaging with and understanding queer performance as like a way of existing and navigating the world that was also a mouthful but like the the uh, the way that i can more authentically feel like i'm tuning into this queer performance is through what we've described yeah. not buying the Celine collection or like not that the Celine is I guess maybe not the best example because it feels very straight to me yeah <laughs> but like there are other examples. there are other examples I feel like right now like the internet has made our interaction with product our interaction with merchandise and with each other so multi-layered mm-hmm. like it's so simple and instant and instant but it's also just it's become so complex you know and yeah. it's just and it's also like how you like again i think something that's also very interesting going into like influencer culture whatnot it's like follower count or shit like that Mm -hmm. you know like so many people think that impressions social media impressions that i learned about the other day um (laughs) are like become true capital Mm. and i'm like but to what extent is it actual like what yeah and (laughs) this is me getting like very philosophical about social media but it's like how do you really think that x um drag race drag queen with let's say one million followers wearing this t-shirt that has say twelve thousand likes or whatever does that really translate into someone truly buying i know the answer is no exactly (laughs) i'm like that's literally and like again it's like such a exactly (laughs) it's like no it definitely doesn't yeah and that's that to me is what makes it so confusing because i'm also someone that's like oh my god like i want more followers or or like please like like follow subscribe you know but it's like at the same time like what is that gonna do for me like is that gonna change the way in which i do the work is that gonna change the way in which we have these conversations you know like it would be cute to have a swipe up but like Instagram, please. But, like, um, what is that gonna do for me? And I feel that especially us um, that are talking about fashion, that have our own aesthetics, that have our own ideas, and this is something that a lot of people on the internet are always telling me. Like, hey, like your your stories are great, but also like no one's paying you for them. So make sure that you're not giving too much advice, or like don't give everything away, or don't. But I'm like yes because i'm also a consultant so i'm like i want you to hire me but at the same time like this is also how i make sure people know that i have some sort of knowledge so it goes Mm. both ways in a sense that i want to give enough to make sure that i'm attracting you but how much am i giving too much away it's also like an interesting like soiree into the shifting landscape of digital media Mm -hmm. like because we're no longer looking like style.com is no more like we're not going to WW or yeah what women's work WWD yeah me dumb (laughs) me only ever reading it and not saying it out loud (laughs) we don't go to WWD I mean like we do but we don't no like not actively not not every morning you're like oh my god what happened yeah like and so yeah these questions of like privacy and um kind of like keeping proprietary info gate kept like are relevant 
and strategic to like protect yourself professionally, but also like where is the conversation going if we're not willing to kind of take those risks and like reveal those cards that we're holding? Exactly. And like the reality is like what will be for you will be for you and what you have to offer is not limited to like what you can type on Instagram. On that specific story, on that specific moment. Yeah, it's like of course don't give everything away but like mm-hmm. I think the benefit really outweighs absolutely like, and I agree and I think that as I feel like in so many ways people really brand queer people as gatekeepers of culture in a sense especially mm-hmm. pop culture right yeah so I think if people like us that are willing and open to have these conversations on social media that want to comment on things that want to interact with each other and whatnot if we're not in a sense putting in the work then how do we make sure that these conversations stay alive yeah you know and it's not only about fashion it's like it's fashion and it's politics and it's culture and it's the nuances of all of these things like we need to make sure that these conversations stay alive yeah and and the money no longer the economy no no longer exists to support it in a more institutionalized way than exactly. the kind of like nebulous of social media exactly but yeah i mean i feel like we've talked about so many sickening things and we've really covered a lot of ground i'm really happy because oh. something again i really wanted to make sure that we were fully trying to unpack that like our impact as queer people into pop culture into fashion but also how we interact with it on the daily and i'm just i i feel really happy i feel like we really did this so i'm really thankful oh my god thank and you i'm so, so happy episode one yeah, <laughs> so i mean I, really excited. this is a conversation that i feel like i could that i feel like we we you and i and we more collectively than mm-hmm. i will continue to be having for the rest of our careers and our lives like absolutely this is information that never goes away it's yeah. just like constantly changing exactly i'm like part two oh <laughs> but absolutely and again i i am really thankful i'm really happy thank you and thank you so much so girls dolls please make sure to like subscribe follow us on instagram and twitter um even though we're, we're working on becoming twitter girls oh my god it's really so i don't I'm understand never gonna it get there. Yeah. i thought i was a twitter girl in high school me and then too. i deleted it me and too. now that i'm back i i i don't want it um, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't like, I think I'm gonna stay on Instagram, but now YouTube, Spotify, look, TikTok, listen to the podcast, no. Tik- TikTok. We'll we'll do our best. I'm like, we're not Gen Z, yeah. Um, but yeah, please like, subscribe, follow, share with the dolls, and yeah, follow us on Instagram. Thank you so much, and thank you, Jazz. Thank you.